0: Sportsfinder community. We're back with our regular segment where we speak to great people from the world of sport. And today, it is no different. I have Mr. Mike with me. Mike, how are you, buddy? Ahmad, I am good, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Um, Mike, be- before we chat about what you're currently working on, take me back in time. Who is Mike as a young man at school?
1: Ooh, good question, Mike. As a young man at school, uh, Mike was a very misguided and confused student at school. Wow. Um, I, I actually, uh, yeah, I get a I get a question a lot from you know college kids or people trying maybe trying to break into the industry of the uh, how did you get to where you are? I like to preface it with uh, I am the uh, the poster child for uh, you know if you work hard, anybody can get here. Um, I, I like to kind of lead into it with. I was a kid from a small town in upstate New York, um, graduated with 70-something kids in my high school class, went to a, a small school in upstate New York. Like I, I was the first person in my family to go to a four-year school, so I didn't exactly have, you know, the framework to, uh, you know, figure out where I wanted to go. I didn't have the mindset as to where I wanted to be. All I knew was when I was a kid is that I wanted to go to school and try to continue athletics. So I went to a a small division three school in upstate New York to play baseball and football. And that was basically as far as I could see ahead of me, like basically my hand in front of my face was as, as far sighted as I was. So getting there, I had to figure a lot of it out on the fly in that sports was all I knew I wanted to do. So once I was done with school, uh, it came down to what are you going to do now? So the fact that I was able to go from there to kind of where I am now, I try to use that as like a jumping off point of, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And, uh, there's quite a story in between there, but that's usually the foundation of what I try to convey to some students.
0: Wow. So just hard work, eh? And let the journey dic- dictate itself. Generally. Okay. Take me through, you know, um, you went through your schooling years, and what happened then?
1: Um, I again, it was uh, I, I got very lucky. Um, I like to say I worked really hard, and then I you know controlled you know as much as I could. But there are just some things in life that are completely out of your control, and that was something I had to learn in those uh, formative years uh once i was done with sports and seeing you know what i could control was that i, I knew working hard being on teams that was what i knew um and it, i apologize my dogs are around sorry
0: that's all right
1: um, the- I, it, it, once i was uh, kind of done with those formative years I, I had to start looking ahead and figure out my next step and that was when i got extremely lucky that you know my resume kind of showed a little bit of that hard work enough so where the uh, I, I landed a job at the federal government at the Department of Defense uh, in upstate New York. It was a job that I didn't even know existed. I got very lucky to get it and they actually paid for my master's degree. they required that I got my MBA in technology wow. management so yeah that was that was quite the the, the huge step for me um, and then from there I realized that you know being behind the desk and working at a computer and kind of being involved with the dod was great but it wasn't quite where i wanted to be long term which is when the sports bug kind of bit me and again it goes back to my confusion a little bit i didn't know what the sports industry was at the time all i knew was i was very lucky to get an mba in technology management which i looked at like a more of a social media play trying to understand that social leveraging component of what i thought the future would be so i thought this might be a great fit to try to get into the, the business side of sports looking back on it now, I had no idea what the business side of sports was. I was just lucky to have taken that step and it kind of worked out for me in the long run, knowing that I was right, but I was also way off in terms of what I thought the social networking component would be to this job. It's evolved so much that I I couldn't have possibly been prepared for it.
0: Wow. So you basically just, um, ran into it accidentally, basically.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, I like to think that, uh, you know, the hard work helped uh, immensely, but when it came down to it, m- yeah, my my track was basically at the, at the mercy of of someone seeing an opportunity that they thought I might fit really well with. So again, it comes down to a little bit of luck with a lot of hard work.
0: Oh, I love it. So it's, it's almost learning and understanding that you have to create your own luck. The hard well, work sort of creates that luck that then puts you in a better position to get these, these, uh, once-in-lifetime positions because your resume involves pro- professional sports, sport teams at the top of their sport. So we talk about thirty to sixty with the leagues that you've been involved in the NFL, the NBA. Uh, yeah. So let's say combine that they have how many teams? Oh,
1: geez. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think
0: it's
1: about. Six. I think it was six. AFL, NFL, yeah, I think it was six total, um, also including the minor leagues.
0: Okay, so let's, all right, so here we are, you got billions of people that would love to, to work for these teams, right? And then you end up putting yourself in a position that where you work for multiple teams in different leagues. So that's obviously from the hard work, the effort that you've, you've been, you've persevered through over the years. So that's basically where you, how you created your own luck. So that's something I'd like to emphasize a bit on because some people think, you know, he got lucky. No, you've got to work to create your own luck.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree with that more. And I, I always, you'll come across folks in this industry as well. Uh, there are some people who are just dealt a really good hand and you can't be mad at them at all. Some people like, I've met some folks, their neighbor was the GM, their family member is a scout. Someone, you know, they married into a family that has, you know, really good sports connections or this person knows that person. There's there's just some really good hands that have been dealt in this industry. I, on the other hand, uh, wasn't dealt a bad hand. I wasn't dealt a hand. I, I didn't have any understanding of the industry, any connections. And that's what I like to really focus on for, for some kids who are trying to get into this Where It's very rare that you're gonna fall into one of those categories. The people who make up this industry, yeah, a lot of them had that good, that great hand dealt to them. But the kids who want to get into this industry, those are more or less the people who are trying to navigate it on the fly like I was. So I like to kind of take a step back and like put myself in their shoes because I was there. I didn't quite know where to go and how to start. So knowing that that was the case, it's, it's essentially – st- so be, not being afraid to start at the bottom. I had four internships uh, after I took my, de- my job at the Department of Defense. I had a great job, my, my family, uh, they, they were very uh, happy that I landed a job with the government. It was kind of a big deal. And then all at once, I kind of left that job on good standing, but I left that job and took an unpaid internship with the arena football team in Oklahoma City. Like that was, you know, a 33 hour drive for me from New York. Uh, my family was a little bit worried about me. They didn't think I made the right decision. But it's like you have to be, you have to start at the bottom to work your way up. You can't be afraid to grind it out. And again, going back to my kind of confusion with the industry, I tried to get into coaching first. So that AFL position that I took was uh, essentially an operations internship. I was driving players to PT appointments. I was filling fridges with Gatorade. I was, you know, delivering food. I was, I was shooting film at practice. I was on the coaching side because that's what I thought sports was. And then from there, I went to the Atlanta Falcons for the same thing. I just got lucky again through uh, just an online message of job posting. I applied. I got hired to be a a golf cart operator for the Atlanta Falcons, just driving players back and forth to practice. And just because I was willing to do all the jobs no one else wanted to do, um, they gave me a bucket of sand and had me fill holes in three practice fields, which were all 100 yards for, I think, four hours straight. I was walking up and down a field filling holes with sand those are the types of things they asked me to do and I did it with a smile so the once they came down to hey we don't have a job on the coaching side but we've an internship if you want it on the business side because you've worked so hard we'd love to keep you in the building that was a, that was entirely the reason I got hired in sports just because I was out there in the dark with a bucket of sand. That was a microcosm of kind of my up and coming. Like I wasn't afraid just because I couldn't see what the next step was, didn't mean I wasn't going to work my butt off at the the current state that I was in. And that was kind of the Genesis as to how I got to where I was going from the Falcons. I went to the Texans, Texans. I went to IMG. We're uh, working for Ole Miss. Then I went to the Cleveland Browns and the 76ers in Philadelphia. All of that was a Genesis of that opportunity that was spurred from Literally filling holes with sand, just working my butt off for the Atlanta Falcons to where they noticed it.
0: Wow, does that makes make sense. Absolutely, sounds amazing. T- talk to me about your current role as director of corporate partnerships at the Miami Heat. What's it like working at the Miami Heat? People watch the Miami Heat on TV and think, "Wow, NBA stars, the the glamour, the glitz," you know every young man's dream every every second young young lady's dream <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just um you know that's pretty much the pinnacle take us through would, what does your, your your day look like
1: Um uh, i would agree with you it's uh, from the, the the guys in the core they are just absolute freak athletes and that is uh it's a very cool atmosphere to, to just even just to be associated with that team it, it's a it's a really unique opportunity that uh it isn't lost on me day to day for uh, again a kid coming from a small area not having really too much knowledge or connection in this world to be walking into the arena every day to go to work it's not lost on me it's, it's a really special opportunity but at the on the other hand uh, what you see on TV is, is it's not quite the day to day that you know we operate in on the business side for you know all intents and purposes, we are essentially a small business. We have you know, uh, I believe we're three to four hundred employees. We operate a business with just a really visible brand that we can take to market. So while it's, uh, it seems very you know, magnanimous over the top, just something really special and it is, we on the business side, we do treat it like a day-to-day organization, like a regular business. But going to market with the power of our brand, that does make it fun and unique. So my day-to-day is essentially going to a, creating, creating relationships with uh, third-party brands to essentially extend our value to them. And when I say that, it means essentially creating a, a relationship that allows them to increase the value of their brand via the Miami Heat. And we do in a way that most, part, most sports teams do it this way now, but ours especially, we do in a way that uh, leverages a creative component more so than other places that I've been. Uh, we're really, it, it's a really special uh, relationship that we have with our creative and marketing department, in that when a, a brand comes to us and says, I want you know, something to you know, increase my brand exposure, we really get into the, well, why do you want that? What are you trying to accomplish? And then we have teams of people internally that go back to the drawing board you come up with really customized opportunities and it goes back to the idea of the word sponsorship is I try to emphasize on this as well we we still use it in this industry pretty significantly it's it's just some of the vernacular that's thrown around again for all intents and purposes in this conversation though the term sponsorship is essentially dead in the in the terms of That was a term from a decade or two ago when a brand would come in, want to associate with a team and essentially just cut a check for spots, dots, signs. I want my brand here. I want this maybe even social media post, you know, 10, 15 years ago. They just wanted that. And they would cut a check and cross their fingers. The team did it. I was on the activation team for the Houston Texans. I was kind of the guy who brought those partnerships to life. Someone would sell it. I would activate it and like make things happen. So at the end of the day, I was basically just justifying what we were doing. And I was the only one who had this information. So the fact that the brands couldn't even fact check other things, there was an evolution happening that I, I saw. I was wondering why I was the only one who was seeing the success here. Like we've posted this, it got this kind of engagement, but no one else can see that brands also saw that. So over the next you know few years, decade, if you will, uh, brands became much more sophisticated and that cross your fingers mentality. I hope all the things that we bought actually get executed. That's not the case anymore. That is where the partnership of this, this industry comes into play. And that is where, uh, we now work with brands to bring it to life together. If, if it's not a partnership, we, we over here at the heat, we're not really looking for, for brands to come on board and say, okay, here's some money, please make this happen. If it's not a a mutually vested interest in bringing this thing to market, it's generally speaking not going to work anymore. We need those sophisticated buyers to come in the door and work with us. And that's kind of the day-to-day go-to-market strategy that we have. We don't want sponsors. We want partners. And that's what makes us a little bit different. A lot of teams do it, but we really focus on the partnership capacity. Because the way I do my job, I don't even really consider myself a salesperson as much as a marketer. So sales and marketing, luckily they go hand in hand. But for me, it's not about the sale. It's about the renewal. It's about working with a brand and doing so, so well that they want to come back and work with you again. That's what, that's my day to day. It's really taking that message to market and finding creative and unique ways to get brands built into the Miami heat so we can do it together and create success together. That was a long winded way of answering that question. Did that make sense?
0: Makes a, makes a lot of sense. And I absolutely love the way you actually responded. Because um my next question is, how do you give each brand justice? Yeah, you guys could be hit with 60, 70, 80, 100 brands at a time. Like what's your your method of making sure that the ROI is there? I know they're vested and you've invested and you know it's all it's all it's all one one great clear clear line. Uh, like, especially nowadays, everything is so so measurable. Um, the partners that are going to come on board have never been so empowered. How do you guys balance it? You know, you, you have a certain audience, and you have to bring through all these brands.
1: That's a great question. Um, and luckily for us, they're not they're not coming in to ask us to create their brand for them. They're they're asking us to amplify their brand via the heat. Which or or whatever insert sports team here, which that makes it a little more palatable for us because I, I agree with you. If it was create this for us, that would be quite the undertaking. But knowing that they already have a brand established, kind of a tone of their of their marketing, it allows us to the way I do the way I do it over here is um, I'll dive into annual reports, previous marketing campaigns. I'll see where their executive teams came from, what campaigns they were involved in. I like to do a little bit of the, I mean, even another person you've had on the podcast, Dan Kaufman, he, uh, with the New York Jets, he was great at helping me uh, kind of understand the value of even looking into, uh, you know, uh, the the stock reports, the financial reports, understanding the business on the backside to really know what they're trying to do in terms of uh, gaining value for their shareholders and how that plays into marketing strategies. Every every organization, while they might ask for the same thing, I want, you know, to sell more of X product, great. But when you dive into the individual brands themselves, they all tell a significantly different story that we can use our brand to message differently. And that's kind of the importance here. You can use the same essential marketing campaign when it comes down to brass tacks. Let's say it's a, uh, you know, a social promotion with a, a, you know, a trigger promotion at retail. We win, you go to this store and you get this. Yeah, But the way we can message that from like, let's say it's a Corona beer versus a Papa John's versus a Verizon versus a Lexus. The, the brands themselves have such different voices to the market, different go-to-market strategies, that it's not really difficult for us to differentiate our approach to each one. If, uh if it's Corona and it's, you know, don't forget to stock up for your Corona before the game tonight. And here's like an e-commerce plate, click here to order this and have it delivered to you by a delivery alcohol company. Great. That's an easy one. Or if it's, you know, uh, a Papa John's and they, they love the, we win, you win promotion. Anytime the heat win, you go to a Papa John's and you get a buy one, get one pizza or half off your pizza because they already do things like that in different markets. We know it's important to them and we can go to the drawing board and create our own spin on what they're already doing. And that's kind of the, cha- I love that challenge is like, we've done this, we've seen this before. And I guess this brings us into what I, what, what has become the kind of future of our industry is we've done and seen all this before. Impress us, Show us something different. Brands are now so sophisticated and you're right. They can track everything. So uh, kind of by the minute, and they have so much information, they don't want to see the same thing over and over again. It's we've done that. Maybe it worked at this level, but what can you do that's different and better? And it's those challenges. That's the future of our brand is brands coming to you and saying, I don't want more of the same. I want different. Show me how it's going to work. So that's been, that's how we do it. But it's also the challenge moving forward that it's why I get out of bed. I really do enjoy that challenge. It's been a lot of fun working, especially for the heat.
0: Perfectly answered, mate. Love it. Um, You've been around for a long time. You worked with, with a few different sporting teams. How have you seen this evolution of change come through? I mean, you mentioned earlier you're selling a sign or a board to getting your brand on, you know, website or social media page. Talk us through that evolution, mate, and how, how things have, bec- have really changed in your, in your, in your industry.
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, it's, been, it's, it's essentially night and day um back in my my first role in professional sports anyway when i was uh with the Texans on the activation team i, I two thousand eleven i think or twelve um it was uh in when you're comparing it to today it was almost it could generally be considered the dark ages from a technology standpoint it was we're, again, we're going to put your sign up. We're going to, you know, traffic your radio spot. We'll, we'll do this thing in the, in the concourse of the arena on a game day. It, it was very kind of, generally speaking, uh, low-tech. Today, wow. though, it, it's amazing what a sh- such a short period of time will, uh, will kind of show is even with, like, the NBA right now, um, we're kind of in a weird spot where the season has been uh, – it's been approved to resume, It's going to come back, and we were already talking about maybe some virtual reality or augmented reality opportunities that might be available, and even the Lee is looking at some of that now. The NBA is looking at, uh, they already have a virtual reality uh, platform where they have a 360 camera set up courtside, where you via a headset, like an actual uh, virtual reality headset, or even just your phone or computer, you can see what the vantage point is, like you're sitting courtside. It's a live feed of a game. From a camera that you can see anywhere in the world, and you're seeing a courtside view of the game. It's such a night and day evolution from when I first started to where we are now. AR, VR, and even like the new 5G uh, expansion from a, a, a wireless and digital capacity. It is, uh, it's not, we've not only come a long way from what we could do uh, back when I started to what we can do now. The evolution is nowhere near being done. Uh, I one of my one of my uh, companies that I'm talking to is Verizon, and just like the conversations we've had with them about the implications of five G moving forward, not even just theirs, but just the actual technology overall, it really is staggering. I would encourage everyone to kind of look into it as much as you can because it seems like it might just make your phone faster, which it you know from what I'm understanding, it definitely will. But it's going to be offering such new and different outlets to. Sports and our viewing experience, and how we take in a content in general via the internet or you know any device you have, it, it's taking it so much further that even like my Verizon contacts can't tell me what's possible because they don't know yet. It's such a cutting edge technology that they're going to be not driven by sports but introduced to sports almost first or initially it's gonna change the way we operate day to day. It's it's a very interesting conversation and I would encourage everyone to look into it as much as you can now, because you're all gonna be influenced or impacted by 5G moving forward. But that's just how technology has changed what I have done in the short time that I have done it since 2011.
0: Wow, sounds amazing. Um, VR is definitely where the future is going. AR is, is the present. Um, it's used a lot on Social media platforms, even some of the sports leagues are, are starting to get involved in it. But that camera on the side of the court that's going to basically put you inside the inside the stadium, first row. That's that's that is phenomenal. You can even you can even charge for something like that.
1: Yeah, they um, do. And you uh, feel free to give me credit for that. But uh, I'll just be honest. That was all. T- that was all the NBA. Um, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they ran, They did a really good job at that.
0: That's what it's all about—keeping your, <laughs> your ears and eyes open. Yeah,
1: um, it's, a, it's it's been a very interesting transformation. They've uh, they've been the the leading uh, party
0: with. Absolutely, and they do a good job at it. I remember last year they, they launched during NBA week. Uh, they launched uh, Snapchat's e-com capabilities during that same week, where where people could could purchase Jordans through Snapchat. So.
1: Oh yeah, the NBA is. Uh, I, I loved my time with the NFL. I did, and it, it's a great organization. Um, the teams I worked for, especially, were some of the better ones within the organization as well, my my opinion. Um, but the NBA, I, it'd be tough to argue that uh, there there is a more uh, you know forward facing, a more uh, uh, a more evolved sports organization, a governing body than the NBA when it comes to just the next steps. The NBA is always looking down the road, is always looking forward and trying to identify new and different opportunities that I'm very lucky to land where I have just because they the NBA overall has been a great kind of resource for me to lean on.
0: Absolutely man, they're, they're doing a great job. Um, take me through the biggest challenges that you faced Going through your journey, and I mean, talk to me about those days where you're carrying that sand bucket and filling holes. You know, well, well what was that like? Like, how do you keep how, how do you keep yourself motivated?
1: You know, it's funny uh, because I didn't. You don't know what you don't know, and that that's just been one of the. Uh, it's actually been one of the, the the luckier points of my my upcoming in the industry is. I didn't quite know where I was going to land or what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to do in theory, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. So when I was doing those kind of manual labor things, I was collecting a very small paycheck enough to get by uh, just, you know, carrying that bucket even as a, you know, a microcosm of that, that up and coming uh, the, the Genesis, if you will, that really wasn't a challenge in in all intents and purposes. That was more me just keeping my head down and grinding it out. I, I just, I had that mindset. of I'm just going to keep doing this as hard as I can, as good as I can. I'm going to get to wherever I'm going. The challenge for me was more once I figured out where I wanted to go, like officially, once I saw what the business side was really when I got to the, the Texans and I saw, you know, I once again got lucky to get into the activations to uh, get onto the activation team over there, understand the corporate partnerships world. Uh, once I understood that, that was the challenge in that I was, On the activation side, I saw that the sales side is where you might have a little bit more leeway in terms of being able to be creative and come up with some ideas and help brands kind of realize the potential of working with a sports team. While I was able to do a little bit of that in the activation side from a recommendation standpoint, I saw that the sales side, and again, I consider it more the marketing side, but the sales side of our department, that's where you really have a lot of the, the leash, if you will, to work with, a lot of uh, the leeway. So that was the challenge, was figuring out how to get from one side of the, the department or the business to the other, activation of sales. So that took me – it took me having to leave the Texans and go into uh, the college ranks to work for IMG at Ole Miss to really kind of cut my teeth and figure out what selling was. I had – as a kid, I had said, I'll never go into sales. It just – in my mind, I just saw the, uh, the used car salesman uh, that I didn't want to associate myself with at all. Obviously, that was a misnomer and now being where I am, I still don't necessarily consider myself a salesperson, but I, I have a much more respect for the business now because it was incredibly challenging to learn how to do it. it initially, I thought there was a right way. And I think that was my biggest challenge was breaking through the understanding of there isn't one right way to do anything. I had always been like taught, this is the way when, you know, in football, this is your drop step. This is your zone. This is your, you've the a gap like that. That was the right way to do it. Baseball, same thing. There was a right and a wrong way to do it. There's always a right and a wrong way in my life. So for me to get to this point where there wasn't a right and wrong way, it was me coming, it was me kind of identifying what my sales process was. Someone asked me one time, what's your voice? What, what When did you find your voice? And I, I had to think about that because I hadn't found it when I was asked that. I was still trying to figure it out. And that's essentially how do you conduct yourself in this industry? How do you go to market with your brand and make your sales? I didn't know. So once I was asked that question, I could take a step back and realize that I had the leeway to figure it out on my own, but I didn't even know that I had to do that in the first place. That was the challenge of figuring out how had to do it and then how I was going to do it. It took me years to get there to do, to kind of refine my voice and refine how uh, how I was approaching this industry that probably a thousand plus other people have my same job. We all approach it differently, so that was that was the biggest challenge to figure out how I was going to do that, and how I was going to get there.
0: Wow, there you go. Absolutely, um, that's half the battle. Eight. I mean, understanding where you are and. Where you, where you want to get to and, and, and how you get there is um, sounds very easy, but it's pretty tricky.
1: It is, I mean, I, I wish I had like a, a support system to lean on, somebody in the industry, a family friend. I would have, again, it was that, I wish I would have been dealt that good hand that some other people are really <laughs> lucky to get dealt. But at the end of the day, I feel like it was, uh, it was a lot of learning that happened over those years where I didn't know, you know, how to get where I wanted to go or, you know, how to accomplish a certain task it was uh it was a really, it was rough at some times, but I feel like I wouldn't be where I am today without some of those experiences. So for me, there were some po- some big positives taken away from some, maybe some slight negatives.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the one thing I say is every journey, you know, makes a person stronger and it really strengthens his vulnerabilities and weaknesses without him even knowing because, it makes you so uncomfortable. It gets you uncomfortable and out of your comfort zone and really makes you think on how to, to get through things. So I think your your journey compared to others, even though even those that have contacts, you, you probably will come out as a much better executive or corporate, even though the journey was tougher. So, you know. Well, I appreciate
1: that and you can, you can only hope, but uh yeah, I feel like again, I, I agree with you entirely. It, it's uh, it's the hard work and it's kind of the it's a bit of the unknown and being uncomfortable that makes you better at anything. If you're if you get too comfortable, you'll uh, you'll kind of slide into the um, the the uh, oh excuse me uh, the the word is escaping me right now, but you'll kind of slide into the. Um, Oh gosh, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now. I'm trying to remember a specific term here, but it's uh, there's this level of comfort that is not going to be uh, helping you advance. And that's that's kind of what I try to avoid is getting too comfortable. Stagnant? At the end of the day, it's that level of uh, being uncomfortable that helps drive me ahead.
0: Don't worry. The uh, message has been received, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been quite, quite a journey for you. Um, what's a few tips you could give to somebody that could basically listen to and really make them think and say, well, maybe if I did do this, this will help me, you know, Yeah. to where I need to get to, or maybe I'm doing this wrong, or, you know, it's really going to make them sit down and ponder.
1: Yeah. it's a Good question. Um, and I, I try to advocate uh, as much for internships as I possibly can. Um, And I I say that for a couple of reasons. Uh, Obviously, where I thought I wanted to go isn't where I wound up. And looking back now, it isn't really where I wanted to go. I thought coaching was where I wanted to be. And now looking back, I have some friends who are in the coaching world. And I mean, financially, it's not what I thought it was. They're working 80 and 90 hour weeks. They're just breaking down film. And it's a really rigorous job. There's not much time for a personal life or for them to enjoy kind of the fruits of their labor. I didn't know any of that. So now because I had the internship I had on the business side, I was able to realize that, oh, I didn't even want to go in that route. I really like this. I want to go there. I advocate internships to any college student or kid or even, you know, adult trying to make a switching career. I did. I had a full-time job, and I took an internship that was unpaid from there. And I'm really glad I did because it all worked out for me. But those internships not only help get your resume to a point where where teams or brands are comfortable taking a chance on you because they've seen what you've already become capable of, it helps you figure out what you like and what you don't like. And that's really an important facet of kind of uh, the evolution of who you're going to be. You don't You don't know where you want to be at the age of 15. You think you do, but you really don't. So get out there and experience some things. Internships are great because they usually give you some good experience in a lot of different areas of any organization, sports teams or, you know, private organizations, agencies, whatever it might be. You'll get to see a lot more than what you're there to do specifically. So that's my biggest, uh, my biggest piece of advice is go out there and find an internship or multiple.
0: Very nice. Um, Mike, you yeah, have been amazing, sir. Lots to share. Lots that we spoke about that can be learned from. Um, unfortunately, we, we have to wrap things up. And before we do, where can people find you online?
1: I think the best place to find me online is, uh, is LinkedIn. And uh, you can just search Mike DeBetta. You, uh, you'll find the, uh, the profile comes up pretty quickly. So I would love to connect. Anybody wants to reach out and uh, shoot me a note. I'd love to, love to chat, love to just expand my network. So uh, feel free. And uh, LinkedIn is a way to do that
0: absolutely mr mike the once again i want to thank you for joining me on on the show and the audience would also like to thank you for joining me and them on the sports finder podcast
1: mart i really appreciate it thanks so much
0: thank you for listening to the sports finder podcast we'll catch you on our next episode Y'all ready for this?